0: Good morning. It's good to see you all. My name is Grant, if we haven't met. I know there are some new faces here today, so it's great to see you all and great to have you here today and to be together to celebrate, as Brendan has said, our two-year anniversary and two years of God's goodness to us as a community. So if you did just wander in here today, if you're just here on the off chance, it's really good to have you here today. And you've stumbled into a significant historic moment for us as a church. So welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. And we just want to celebrate something of God's goodness to us. A lot has happened to us and for us as a community in the last two years. And we just want to celebrate God's goodness to us, His hand on us as a church. I just, before I say anything else, I'd love to pray for us and to thank God. And I'd love you to join me and just thank Him for something of what He's done in the last two years. So Lord, as today is a celebration, we do want to celebrate together. But we want to celebrate you. And we welcome you here. We ask you to come and be here, be the center of this meeting be the center of our lives, be the center of this church. We lift you up, Lord, and we want to focus on you at the start of this message. And we just ask that you would speak to us, inspire us, encourage us. And we just thank you, Lord, for two years of your goodness to us. Amen. Can I ask before I carry on speaking, if you joined this church, if you became part of this community in the last year, would you mind raising your hands just so we can see who you are and maybe just to get an idea of uh, who God's added? It's a lot of new hands, a lot of new people, and it's really wonderful to see God adding new members to this community here. Today isn't just a normal service. It's not a normal Sunday celebration. Today is a celebration service. It's a big day. It's a big moment for us as a church, and we do want to take the time to enjoy God, celebrate God, and celebrate each other. And maybe before I carry on preaching, I do want to say thank you to this church. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who have played a part who've been here, who've done anything, who've prayed, who've invested, who've served, who've sacrificed, who've given of your time and your energy, and whoever you are, whatever you've got, whatever's inside of you, thank you for playing your role in this community. And I think I can speak for the elders when we say that we're grateful to this church, and we're proud of this church, and we're proud of what God is doing among us. And if I can just steal a line from Hillsong Church, Red Point Durban is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. I think that's an amazing line that I just want to borrow there, but I just want to say it's not about one or two people. This church is about every member of this community playing their part, giving what they've got, and um, adding to the greater good and the greater work of what God is doing through us together. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the role that you have all played, for the responsibilities you've carried, the time that you've given, whether it's public or whether it's in secret. Thank you for the part that you have played in building this church and adding to what God is doing among us. So on Tuesday night, our life group sat together and we sat around in a circle and we indulged a bit. We had a nice big chocolate cake from Bread Ahead and we sat together with some tea and some coffee and we chatted a little bit and we kind of went through some of the highlights of the last year as a church. Kind of like old friends who get together and reminisce and look at the good old days and talk about some of the highlights and some of those are big moments. You know, the really big moments that you never forget. And some are really small things that just for some reason stand out or carry some significance. And probably for about an hour, we just threw out different stories, some deep, some very shallow, some fun, um, some quite serious, and just enjoyed something of God's goodness together as a church. And I'd like to start doing something of that today at the start. I want us to look back a little bit and celebrate what God has done before we look ahead, before we look forward in anticipation and in celebration of what God is going to do in the future for this church. So this is a bit of a highlights reel for Red Point Durban, particularly over the last year. And I can't believe it, but 53 weeks ago, we first started meeting in this space. Just over a year ago, we started to meet here. We set up for our first service, and this place quickly became home to us. Brendan mentioned it already, but our first year was a crazy year. We were a gypsy homeless church moving from place to place, botanic gardens, the beach, Durban Country Club, uh, DHS, wherever it might have been. And it was fun in some ways. But it's really good to be a little bit more established and settled in a place like this. And Glenwood Prep really has become a great home to us as a church. Um, As we chatted, and I've asked some of you and some of the stories that came through our life group, there were some very funny highlights and some very interesting moments that people seem to remember. People celebrated the warmth and the authenticity and the genuineness of this community. And we're just celebrating something of what it's like to come into this group of people and experience the love and um, I guess invitation and welcome of who this community is. But people also remembered Brendan preaching with a snake. Some people couldn't believe that he had a real snake up here during the Sermon on the Mount series, and apparently some of the people were really terrified by him, uh, I guess, freaking them out with it. We had a carnival day out here in the rain, a bit of a community day like we've got today, and during that uh, carnival day it was raining quite hard, and at times I think we got drenched, but the kids seemed to love it being on the jumping castle and some of the rides we had. We bride, we had fun together as a group. I think some of the things like Brendan mentioned, that horrible sound moments at the Botanic Gardens, there have been some real uh, logistical or admin nightmares. And also the guys up front have occasionally said some highly inappropriate things, sometimes intentionally and sometimes by getting tongue-tied, but I won't mention any names with that. One of the girls in the church said that when she'd gone overseas, this community had been a lifeline for her. Maybe that's too strong, but at least it's kept in contact and loved and it's supported from a distance. And I love the fact that people could be connected from across the sea. In fact, one of the guys who's moved from here to London sent me an email this week about what God had done in his life in his time in this church. And he's still listening to some of the messages and sending some feedback on that. One of the guys in this community said that when he lost a loved one, that this church was incredibly uh, caring and comforting to him. In fact, he says it's that loved one's birthday today. And I just thought it's amazing that he could celebrate with us today as a community while he mourns and thinks of his brother too. God has been good to us as a group of people. A lot of people spoke about the growth that we've experienced. We started with about 40 people two years ago, and now it's wonderful to see this room so full of new and old faces. We've seen God add to this church, so we've grown in size, but we've also grown in maturity and in faith, in understanding of God's ways and in knowledge of God. And on top of that, I think we've grown in excellence in the things that God is doing among us. Some of the things that people said encouraged them were seeing our band grow. We, for a year, had one band of two people. Now we've got two bands of about five people in each band. It's just wonderful seeing new people kind of serving and playing a part in a new way. And I think the guys who led worship today did so in such a great way. Our kids' ministry has grown and has split into two age groups. So we've got a younger group and we've got an older group. And it's great seeing new people joining Sonia said today she's actually going to be sharing about Jesus, forgiving our sins, how we can have a relationship with Him today. She's going to be washing the kids' hands with dirt and then washing them clean to explain what Jesus has done for us on the cross. I'm excited to see some really young believers join this church, some really young members of this church start to follow Jesus and to know Him from a very, very early age. We added two new life groups to this church this year, two groups that are full of people, that are full of life and seem to be doing so well And those are midweek groups where people are growing in their faith and growing in community. It's great to see what God is doing. Someone said this, and I think for me this is also a highlight. It was wonderful in February to add two new pastors to the team, to see Brendan and Shane join the eldership team of this community, to be pastoring this community officially. I think the Coles and Cadmans are two excellent couples and families, really are role models and examples we can be grateful to have leading us in this church. I think it would be wrong to talk about what God has done in this church without mentioning food. And I think this church in some ways has been built around dining room tables and around coffees and meals. And uh, people are amazed that every single Sunday there seems to be eats and treats downstairs. I don't know who brings them. I don't know where they come from. But those little donuts, those donut holes from Bread Ahead seem to be the emblem of Red Point Durban, which I think is a good thing. Shell and I had two of them for breakfast this morning. So whether it's good or bad, they're delicious and uh, it's a good emblem for us. I think just thinking about food, we had an incredible Secret Eats evening just a few months back. And you might remember this moment where Shane and Christo indulged in a bit of food and romance together, it would seem. They had a real special moment. I also don't know about this kind of brotherly love that's going on in the community, but uh, James and Matt are two single eligible bachelors in our church. And then this is everyone together. I know not all of you are there, but I think this does just show something of who our church is and is becoming. We ate together, we laughed together, we danced together. It was a very, very fun evening, and um, I think to me a taste of what is to come. It's so good to get together, to celebrate together as a church. We've also had pizza and prayer evenings. We've had brunches together, whatever else it might be. And, and last night the ladies had a really, really great dinner together up in Cluj. I think this church has been built around food, not because we're gluttons, that's not what it is at all, but because we do want to eat together, and we do want to do life together, and we want to live out our faith as a family together on mission. As a pastor, I get to sit in a lot of rooms with people and have all sorts of different conversations. And I think in some ways I get to hear the best and the worst of people's stories. I get to hear probably people's most secret shameful moments, and I get to hear people's great highlights and joys and celebrations of what God is doing in their lives. I get to share in people's stories in ways that maybe not all of us in this room get to. And recently I've chatted to a lot of people and I'm just grateful for what God is doing in people's hearts. Some people have really repented of some significant sins this year and are turning and leaving those things behind to follow God in a fuller way. I chatted to someone who's a member of this church recently and he said to me, I feel like Jesus is knocking on the door of my heart. And he said to me, I don't know when I should open that door. Can you tell me, when should I open it? And it was such a privilege to speak with him and pray with him as he made that decision to open his life to Jesus and to take a next step in following Him. There also been a few people in this church who recently have had to make very big decisions in choosing to follow God. It meant huge sacrifice. It meant giving up some big things. But they said, I believe God is speaking to me and I need to follow Him and obey Him. That gets me very, very excited. And I did just want to ask today, um, show of hands, who in this room, who in this community feels like God has spoken to you in some way or changed your life in some way, has been discipling you and maturing you in the faith over the last year or so? Show of hands. It's quite a few hands. It's wonderful to see God is at work in this community. I wanted to share one more story of God's powerful life change in someone's life in this church. This goes back all the way to before we even started and had our first Sunday, to our first kind of meeting in the upper room at Red Point in Pineson. As we all gathered together as a group of people, one man in the room, Christo Clay, He said to us that he was happy to get involved. He was happy to play his part. He would do whatever it is that God wanted him to do, as long as he didn't have to wear skinny jeans. And he said to me, he sent me a message a few weeks ago of him wearing a pair of jeans, and I just thought, God is a miracle working God. He changes hearts. He's still at it today. So um, Christo's at the back there. I just, I was thinking about it when we were praying earlier. We were in a prayer meeting the one day, and I whipped out the Berea mail, and there was this uh, article on the front page where it said, uh, cleaning the poop off of the stoop. And it was some random joke that we all had going. And Christo held up that paper with tears in his eyes and talked about God cleaning the poop off of the stoops in our hearts. And it's actually wonderful how you serve this church, Christo. You're a real blessing to us. And it's so good to see you adapting and uh, adjusting in this community. But I think it is a real sign of God at work in people's lives in this church. I think God has been very, very good to us. And it's good to look back and reminisce and celebrate all of these things. Or you do also want to look forward with anticipation to the things that God is wanting to do among us. So if you can turn to Colossians chapter 1 in your Bibles. We're going to read from verse 15 to 23. And we're going to read something of what Paul wrote to this church in Colossae some 2,000 years ago. And read of his encouragement to them as a church. I think this is a great word to us. Encouragement to us where we are at at the moment. And I trust God would speak to all of us. If you don't have a Bible with you, you're welcome to follow along. By reading what's on the screen behind me from Colossians 1 verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, The firstborn from the dead, so that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before Him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which our Paul became a minister. As we read in uh, verse 15, there, Paul takes this section of nine verses out of this letter to this church in Colossae, and he starts to write about He, about Jesus. And he lifts him up. And I think these nine verses are maybe the most beautiful, worship-filled, God-glorifying, Jesus-exalting verses in the whole of the Bible. This nine-verse section is packed full of lifting up a huge God. And we see clearly that Paul, in writing, is trying to paint a very expansive, huge picture of who Jesus is and what he is like. He's calling us to look to him. He's calling us to see him. He's calling us to see him as absolutely huge and beautiful. And to see that in God's plan for all things over all time, in our huge universe, Jesus is right at the center. In verse 16, we read the two words, all things, for the first time. And as I read through that passage, you might have heard that I repeated them over and over and tried to emphasize them a bit. Because all things is written five times by Paul in those nine verses. Quite interesting. You wonder what he's trying to say there. He also says the word all eight times. He uses the word everything once. You get the idea that Paul is really trying to emphasize the hugeness of God's purposes and plans. The hugeness of Christ's centrality. The fact that God is involved in absolutely everything that is going on everywhere. Paul is giving us a picture of God's purpose, of his power, and of his importance in our everyday lives. And in the next verse, in verse 17, it says that Jesus is before all things. And that in him, all things hold together. Before anything was created, before time began, Jesus was. He existed and was there. And he says, okay, now zoom in. In him, all things hold together. And I don't know if you've thought of this before, that the molecules, the cells that make up our bodies and everything we see and we know are held together by Jesus. His involvement in our lives, his involvement in our universe. Jesus is the one who in His power holds it all together. And I want to say that because He is a part of every part of our lives. And I want to say to us all today that God is not distant and out there. He is not far away. He is more close. He is more intimate. And He is more involved in our lives than we had ever imagined before. Jesus holds even the molecules of our bodies together by His power. Then in verse 18... It says that Jesus should be preeminent over everything. And that is a bit of a big theological term that we don't use often, the word preeminent. So maybe I can reword it in another way. Jesus is paramount over everything. Okay, that's not really a word that we use too much either. Jesus is to be the focus, the center. He is to be at the middle of everything that is going on. He is to be our life. He is to be our everything. Jesus is, so Paul is saying that Jesus is to be first place, not just in our lives, but in everything that is going on. In the universe. Paul is lifting him up above it all. And it gets very interesting here. where we take that abstract idea that's out there. And we personalize it a bit. And we say, is he preeminent, paramount, central, the focus of our lives? Your life and mine. Is Jesus preeminent in our lives? Verse 20 to me is the central verse. And it's like Paul has been doing this build up to get to something that is very, very interesting. And verse 20 is crammed with truth. It's crammed with understanding about God's ways. And it's crammed with the big, big picture of what God is involved in doing in all of creation. It's a very, very uh, powerful picture when we see that God has created everything. And that's what it says in verse 16. God has made everything that exists, visible and invisible, anything that you can imagine. I think of all of the people in this room today, a hundred or so of us, Everything that we've seen, I know many people here would have traveled to many different places around South Africa and the world and seen different people and different cultures and different animals and different places and buildings and all sorts of things. And on top of that, we've seen things through TV, whether it's animals or cultures or tribes, whether it's uh, watching documentaries on space and exploring galaxies and the universe, or whether it's exploring the depths of the ocean and all sorts of creatures that live at the bottom of the sea. Maybe it's National Geographic or Animal Planets or something where we've watched all these interesting features about different animals and insects and creatures that exist. Or maybe you're like someone who enjoys a microscope, maybe you're more in the medical field, maybe you've watched all sorts of things about cells and DNA and biological things that I know nothing about. And Paul's trying to say that everything that exists was created by him. The huge depths of the universe to the smallest aspects of the human body was created by him. Everything we've seen and everything we haven't seen is made by God. And it's beautiful. But I want to be a little bit real and cynical for a second. As we watch the news and as we look out of our windows and as we live our lives, there's also a lot of negative things in our world. It's not all just beauty. There's a lot of brokenness. And As we watch the news, as we live our lives, as we spend time with people, as we look out of the windows, we drive along, we see the effects of brokenness and sin and the realities of a damaged world that we live in. So yes, creation is beautiful, but also creation is affected at the most intimate level by sin. And the same God who has created all things is now at work reconciling all things to himself. Isn't that an amazing idea? Abraham Kaper was a Dutch politician and theologian, and he had this to say, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not say, does not cry, mine. Anything you can imagine is something that Christ has created and something that Christ is sovereign over. Now, I want to show you some pictures today of our city. These are pictures taken by Callum and by Jesse Greaves. And I want to get a bit of a bigger picture of the fact that Jesus says over every square inch of anything that's ever been created, that is mine. I am Lord of that. And if we can just fly through some of these things, the beautiful Durban beachfronts, can go a little bit quicker around. Isn't that an amazing view of our city? Some beautiful pictures of Glenwood, the CBD. Some beautiful sand art, the center of the city. This is Durban. You know, This is our community. And if we can end with two photos, this is uh, Glenwood. That's actually where we are right now. And this is a photo that Sean did for us with his drone. It's a cool picture of the building we're in right now. As we think about that quote of Abraham Kapa, as we think about the words of Paul, everything that is existent in existence is created by God and is something that he is reconciling to himself. He's making all things new. I think that's absolutely incredible. God is not just wanting to save individuals. He's not just wanting to reconcile individuals to himself and deal with sin in our lives. But in the brokenness of our world and universe, God is at work making all things new. I said as a pastor already, I get intimate access to people in a way most others don't. I think over the last week and a half, I've spent time with a whole bunch of different people. I wrote it down. A journalism student, an architect, an artist, a school principal, a doctor, a financial advisor, an optometry student some creatives, a few business guys, and even a few pastors. So if you're in that list, maybe that's you. But it's just an amazing thing to have access to people of all sorts of different careers and experiences and interests, people involved in different spheres of society. And the question I want to ask you, the idea I want to put out to all of us today, is that if beyond those job titles and the things that we do, if we could imagine ourselves as part of what God is at work doing in our world, to reconcile all things to himself. It's not just the job you have or the title you have. You are part of God's purposes in this world to see his transformation come. In the sphere of influence you're in, in your industry, among the people that you know, in the job that you do to bring God's kingdom, to bring God's ways, to bring God's will, to bring God's reconciliation. That is the vision of Colossians 1. And it's also the vision we find in 2 Corinthians 5. I just want to read from verse 17 to 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And I did want to ask you today, are you in Christ? If you're here today, are you in Christ? Maybe you're in church. Maybe you're in this community. Maybe you're in our meetings. But are you in Christ? And he carries on from there and says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us, gave you, and he gave me, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, So that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. I can ask it one more time. Are you in Christ here today? Because if you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you are saved, if you are born again, whatever term you want to use to describe your faith, if you are in Him, then these verses tell us a lot about what we are to be doing. Firstly, they teach us that we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are going to see that with some guys getting baptized now. They're saying that they've died to an old life and they've risen to a new life in Christ. Secondly, it teaches us we've been entrusted with a message, uh, with the, message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Thirdly, we're an ambassador of God. Fourthly, it teaches us we're God's loud hailer. I don't know if you've thought of this before. You are God's loud hailer to a world that is filled with other noise and competing messages. Paul writes it there where he says, God making his appeal through us. And I want to emphasize that because God is not just making his appeal through me or the people who preach in this church. God is making his appeal to all of us, to the world that is around us. And lastly, it teaches us you have been reconciled to reconcile. If you have been reconciled with, to God, it is to join him in his work of reconciling all things to himself. And I do want to say personally, it is very exciting for me to think of a journalism student, an architect, an artist, a school principal, a doctor, a financial advisor, an optometry student, some creatives, some business people, and even some pastors, joining God in this reconciling work that he's got going in our city and in our world at the moment, that all of us would own this thing, own the vision of Colossians 1, own the vision of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and live it out in our world. I'm sure many of you know Eugene Schloper and Josh Montiel. So I just want to mention them today because even though you know them, probably most of you don't know that on Thursday they got a call announcing that they had won a very, very big citywide art competition. Now that might not sound too big to you. That's great. Pat on the back. But I just want to show you what's going to be happening because of these two. This is something that's going to be going up in the main circle by the Durban beachfront just outside of Joe Cool's there. This is a 7-meter high, 17-meter wide public statue that the city is going to put up that these two have designed. And when I heard that, I just thought that is such an incredible thing. These are two young guys in their early twenties who sent up a proposal, who had a creative vision, who had a dream. They sent it to the city and they won. Out of all of the people that entered, they won this competition. The hand of God is on them. They've been blessed in a wonderful way. And hopefully next year we'll see that thing every time we drive to the beach. And I say that because I think of the tourists and all the people who live in the city of Durban, we are going to drive past that and how it's going to shape something of their perception and understanding of the city of Durban. I mean, isn't that really, really beautiful? And I just think two people here You can give them a round of applause. I think that's great. They'll sign autographs after the service for anyone who wants. But I just love that two people from this community are changing the cityscape the landscape of our city, what it's going to look like, what people will experience in a very natural and physical way. And I want to say, I think what God is saying to us through these two passages of Scripture is that beyond just a natural, physical way, God is wanting us to be involved in reshaping the spiritual landscape of our city. Who would be used by God to put up something like that, something of significance and size to reshape the city of Durban in a spiritual sense? to reshape the landscape, to reshape what people experience of God, to reshape what people understand of salvation, to see the reconciliation of God come through your life and touch and splash upon and bless the people of the city of Durban. Isn't that an incredible thing that these two people are being used by God to do? And I believe God could use all of us and anoint all of us and bless all of us to do similar things in different ways. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Grant, this sounds great. We want to be used to see people reconcile to God. We want to see God reconcile all things to Himself. But how? But how do we do it? And verse 20 gives us an answer, but I'm not going to promise you that it's the answer you want to hear. It's not an answer of harder work, more effort, better thinking, innovation, invention. That is not what God says. In fact, Jesus gives us a very simple answer about how this is going to happen. He said, by the blood of His cross. By the blood of his cross, Jesus is going to reconcile people and all things to himself. And that might not sound too impressive. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 17 to 22, we're not going to read through it, but it's something that's gripped my imagination recently. It speaks about the first city. It's a city called Enoch. It's named after a son. And the city comes together, and all these people start to live together, and there is amazing innovation and invention that is going on. In fact, we see New technology, new invention, creativity, innovation, all of these things in one place. And it's kind of like the Silicon Valley of today. In Palo Alto in California, all of the Apples and Googles and all of those places are together inventing incredible things. And here we see in the book of Genesis, the very own Google headquarters of the Bible going on in the city of Enoch. There's urbanization, there's agricultural invention. The first musical instruments are invented. I don't know what they were. I don't know if it was a flute or some kind of very basic string instruments, but they were inventing music and art there. There was some kind of engineering department or firm that was inventing the first tools and weapons. I think it must have been such an exciting time to be alive, all of this invention, all of this stuff going on. But what we see after Genesis 4 is with all of these new ideas, all of these new companies, all of these things starting up, the world was not changed. Sin was not dealt with. Salvation had not come. Our world was not transformed and human flourishing was not fully and finally brought into our world. Because Jesus says it will only come by the blood of the cross. For thousands and thousands of years, people have been trying to do what the people in Genesis 4 did. Try to save the world. Try to change the world. Try to make everything the way it should be. Because our world is very clearly broken and very clearly needs change. But I want to say we don't have what it takes. You can't do it. I can't do it. We don't have what it takes. 1985, a very special thing happened. And I can say that as an expert born in 1986. 1985, there was an amazing concert that happened both in Philadelphia and London. It was called Live Aid. Who's heard of Live Aid? Only a few of you. You'll know the song. You'll definitely know the song. Artists and musicians from around the world got together. And what they started to do is they started to do a concert for peace. And they recorded a song together. It was in response to something of uh, what had happened in Ethiopia. There was a horrible famine. People were starving and they were raising money for aid, for help, to do something to bring about change. And this was simulcast around the world. I don't understand the technology of 1985, but 1.9 billion people in 150 countries watched this event happening all around the world. Isn't that amazing? And this is a good thing. This is an amazing thing. This raised... Huge amounts of money This stirred the hearts of people around the world to give and be generous to the plight of the people in Ethiopia. But after this event, when some of the musicians were being interviewed and spoken to, Bob Dylan was interviewed by one of the journalists. And they asked him what he thought about this. And he said that he felt a little bit uncomfortable. He said, why did you feel uncomfortable, Bob Dylan, great rock star? And his answer was, I'll tell you why. Because man cannot save himself. The lyrics of the song that you probably know go, we are the world, we are the children, we are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. I think this is an amazing initiative that helped so many people. But Bob Dylan's words echo the words of Paul and the words of Jesus, mankind cannot save itself. We cannot fully and finally deal with the problem of sin that we have in this world. Bob Dylan was really echoing the words of Paul that we find in Colossians 1. We need a savior. We need someone to save us. We need someone to reconcile all things to himself. Because no matter what we do, we don't have what it takes to fully deal with the problem that we are facing in our world today. It only comes by the blood of his cross. If I can make three more short points and then we'll close. In verse 21, this gets very, very personal. And Paul writes, and you. says, and you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And I want to ask if this message of Jesus is personal to you today. Are you in Christ? Is this real to you? Are you in him or are you just in the church? Are you just hearing this stuff? Is this personal and real to you? Because I think in the last two years as this church has been going, there have probably been about 20 or 25 and you moments of people putting their faith in Jesus, repenting of their sin, turning and starting to follow him and that excites me so much to see people starting to live out their faith and be reconciled to the God who created them and you this is personal for you today and then in verse 23 it says became a minister Paul is speaking about his experience of becoming a minister for Christ and we see that the and you call of a personal salvation and response needs to transform us into an obedience of, I became a minister. I'm living out the purposes of God in this world. I'm sharing my faith. I'm doing the things that God has called me to. The gospel is going out. This message of reconciliation is going out to the world through my life. That is what Paul is speaking about here. And I want to say that we are all called to be ministers. So I've spoken about a whole lot of jobs today already. And maybe I haven't mentioned your job, your role, your identity, the things that you do with your life. But if on your business card, you could underneath whatever it is that you do, write, minister, full-time minister of the life-giving salvation message of Jesus that is ringing out into all the world, that is reconciling people and all things to the God who made them and freeing people from the bondage and brokenness of sin. Is that too long to go on your business card? A little bit too long to go underneath? Maybe you could say something like, I'm in. God, I'm in. I'm a minister. I'm in for what you're wanting to do in this world. I'm in. I'm a part of it all. Because that is all of our calling. That is something that God has asked all of us to do. My last point is that in verse 15 and verse 23, God speaks about all creation. The bookends of this passage are all creation. And I want to ask us, Red Point Durban, as I finish this message today, as we look ahead to the future, not to get stuck in Smallville, not to zoom in just on our lives and our busyness and the things that we're involved in, but to zoom out and to see the big global picture of what God is doing in our world. We see how expansive and huge it is from joining our molecules together to deepest, darkest space. God is involved in all things. And I want us to believe that God is reconciling all things to himself and believe that we have a role to play, to be devoted to God, to follow God, to serve God, and to join God in what He is doing in reconciling all things to Himself. And I believe that God would make us a church like that. Would you stand? We're going to sing one song together as the band comes up in response to God.